We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle have won 2-0 at Brentford. One of the biggest wins of the season. I'm saying that every single week at the minute. It is a fantastic time to be a Newcastle United supporter. Newcastle are one of the form teams in the Premier League. Are unbeaten in seven games. And are quite frankly frying it. Frying? Flying <laughs> at every single level. It's an absolute pleasure to be joined by Charlotte Robson, Ben Wade and Norman Riley on this podcast. My little message first, of course, is we're on Patreon. £6.60 a month for 30 to 40 these days, extra Newcastle United podcast. Podcasts this week coming up with Craig Hope of the Daily Mail, coming up with Warren Barton or Keith Gillespie. You talk about Newcastle United's fantastic win and also looking ahead to the Brighton game next week. So come and join us on Patreon. We'd love to have you along. Let's get into it. What a win for Newcastle United, Norman. You were there yesterday. You were one of the 1,700 in that away end. Newcastle United's first, well, actually Newcastle United's second game and I think the Brentford Community Stadium, and although there were no fans there present, back in December 2020, in what was a real low point for the club under for the previous manager, how was it for you yesterday? How did you feel at full-time witnessing such a comprehensive win in the sunshine with those players? I felt overjoyed, and I can't really put into words the specific... The specific overjoyed is one of the feelings, but just full of hope and utterly convinced we're going to avoid relegation and more or less certain we're not only going to avoid relegation but it's going to be quite comfortable um, I really feel that where we are now 14th at the table it wouldn't surprise me if that's where we finish at the end of the season in fact I wouldn't be surprised if we finished above a team like Crystal Palace which would be an incredible achievement but the inside the stadium itself the start of the match you could feel it you could feel how confident we were as a fan base there was just noise from moment one onwards the singing never really stopped. The sending off, I mean, even before the sending off, the atmosphere was brilliant and I felt that confidence and I think most fans did as well. I thought we were in control of the game and the sending off, I suppose, kind of took it up a notch, but even then, did it take it up a notch? I, I don't know. I think I think we were just, there's just a belief, right? There's this belief on the pitch. You can see it when the players come out. You can feel it among the fans. The connection between the fans and the players and the management is fantastic. And this, as I say, the singing never stopped. The sunshine was so important yesterday that you had to put your hand over the top of your head, to, or, you know, over your eyes to to see at the other end. The pitch it was so bright, and it was great being in a stadium that's as compact as that as well. Because you really kind of, you, you know, you you, you, just, you just your vantage points really good, and the the kind of tightness of the stadium creates a really good atmosphere. Brentford fans are pretty quiet, you know. You can see why. 
but we we were excellent, I thought. And obviously, I spoke to a Brentford fan, my, my friend Jake, who was on the away end podcast that Peyton's got a chance to listen to. And he said that we were one of the best away supports he's seen this season. So I suppose that gives you an indication as to just how good it was. And I had full time the players and management come over. And I don't know if anyone's seen the photos, any of you on this podcast have seen the photos or, the, or you saw a post-game live. The look on the players' faces, the look on house faces, it's just one of kind of almost, this, this delight and this shock that fans are so clearly utterly in love with what's going on at the minute. It was a, a brilliant day, mate, and one that um, compared to Wolverhampton Wanderers in October, which would have been the last game before the takeover, me and you in a hotel so actually, post-match stood in a car park outside of a garden centre and Wolverhampton waiting for a taxi. Miserable <laughs> in the grey, damp weather. Getting a taxi back into Birmingham, doing the podcast in a hotel on a Sunday morning, questioning what the point of supporting Newcastle United was. I can't get over that change. It's huge, huge. It's like two different, it's like two different worlds, mate. I totally agree. And I'm pleased you brought that that game up because it's you know we've all got one moments there's all been moments supporting Newcastle United particularly in the last 10 years that lots of people listen it might have been the final straw it might have been the lowest point that world's game for for lots of us there I think was was the lowest point and people still tweet me weekly particularly at the minute saying sometimes they go back and listen to our despair Norman on that podcast just to kind of make them realize how real this is and how bad it was before but it's uh it's an unbelievable turnaround I think um you know, Newcastle are second in the form table in the Premier League and trying to, you know, seeing the, because I wasn't at the match yesterday, but seeing the scenes in the away end for the goals, seeing Joe Linton, who we'll talk about later, sprint the length of the pitch to celebrate with supporters. He learned that from John Joe Shelby, but <laughs> fair enough. Um, and also just the, just the complete happiness. It's just like, it's just smiling faces absolutely everywhere. And it's a, uh, you have to, um, you know, embrace and relish these moments and these times and these days because we will go through a bad run of form again. We have very difficult fixtures at the end of the season. I, you know, I look at a little bit of what other fans are thinking and while some fans are looking at Newcastle United thinking they're away, let them go. The Premier League put a very satisfying graphic out last night saying, who's going relegated? <laughs> Getting relegated. And then Newcastle United weren't even on the, the league table they posted. So high are we in the league at the minute? Um, but we have got tough games to come, particularly in uh, in April. And I think other fans are looking at those games and how thinking, all right, Newcastle are going to build a bit of a lead before them, but we'll be right back in at the time. I don't think that'll happen, but I understand the the sentiment. Ben, let's talk about this win um, in, in, in kind of the context of the, the relegation battle. Um, you know, quite simply, Burnley have had an unbelievable week. An unbelievable week, yet still four points behind. Watford have had a fantastic uh, couple of results, um, if you ignore midweek, but they've picked up four points out of out of um out of nine um with with two really tough away games yet these teams still find themselves a long way behind Newcastle United how strong do you think Newcastle's chances of survival are right now oh unbelievable uh, I'm with Norman I do not see Newcastle United getting relegated um you it, you spot on as well I mean I think it's important with those two teams as well I mean especially Burnley they've kind of been screwed by their own circumstances and I'm not necessarily saying they kind of created that obviously if, if they had COVID they had COVID whatever but the fact that there's so many games behind teams it's allowed us to kind of get a good gap ahead of them and regardless of whether they have a great result they know they're going to be behind us because we've, we've played an extra couple of games and I think just that's like the psychological impact of that is 
they're constantly chasing. And if, every time they make some progress, it's not still not really they're, they're never gonna kind of get um, get get up level with us for for a good while. So I think just psychologically, that's a massive massive like sort of bonus for Newcastle squad to know that they've got these games in hand. I mean, we've all been talking about the Brentford one being a huge one as well. The fact that we had two games on them and, and that game's coming up. Obviously, we've, we've we've done the business against them now. So again, that's another team that. Um, we've kind of put ourselves in a great position. If, if you're looking about comparisons between who, we just have to finish above three teams and we've got ourselves in a great position against a, a, a few. So um, it's absolutely massive. I, th- I think it is interesting as well. You, you kind of look at the, the clubs that are outside of the relegation zone at the minute. So your Everton, your Leeds. The big thing for me and, and probably why Newcastle and Burnley are, have been able to to kind of get a bit of momentum going is because just defensively we've sorted everything. I mean Burnley are always known as a tough place to go to. They keep games very tight, they stay in games and they're a difficult team to kind of break down. Newcastle weren't that <laughs> for very long. Um for for ages. And you think about the first kind of five or six games of Eddie Howe's reign and there was a little bit of kind of nervousness about the fact that we just couldn't shut up shop and we I mean we shipped three goals to Brentford and obviously this this is a perfect kind of mirror kind of game to say how far we come defensively. We we, we can hold on to, to, to victories now and, and kind of win games on just being better defensively than the teams. And I think if you look at Everton and Leeds specifically, they are two shocking, shocking defensive teams. That That's why they're in free fall because they can't stop teams getting easy goals against them. Totally agree. And I'm pleased you raised the Brentford home game there. Always a nice bit of symmetry, isn't it? When you look at these return fixtures, the West Ham game last week shows how much would come on uh, fitness-wise and physically. Brentford as well. That first game against Brentford um, was complete chaos. Complete chaos. The game was chaos. Not just Newcastle United, the game was chaos. Yesterday, and we'll talk about the red card maybe later, was 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 kind of orderly and, and planned and organised and all of the things like you correctly say, Ben, not just for how to achieve this transformation mid-season with largely the same group of players, it's an extraordinary achievement. Norman, you want to come in? Just quickly, for the first time, and this is this has been the last couple of weeks, really, what we're talking about other relegation rivals and what they can do and what they're potentially good at and how bad they may be in certain situations. You know what? I'm, I mean this. I'm not think, I'm not. I'm genuinely not thinking about other teams anymore. I, I'm, I'm so confident that Newcastle United have got enough by by some distance to pick up the points we need to steal, and other teams like I'm 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 not even concerning myself with them anymore. When I was at the match yesterday, I didn't keep an eye on any other team's results. I'm I'm that confident that we're going to steal, and that is the there's this mindset that we've had right for years under Mike Ashley of looking at other teams and hoping that oh they well if they get beaten they get but they get beat then we're this this far ahead and oh no if they win that game in hand, you know what it is? I'm not thinking like that anymore. It's almost like I've had this kind of this mind shift. It's like no no Newcastle United on its own, are going to be fine and nobody else's results matter to me anymore. Um, other than Everton away, perhaps, where if we lose that, I might get a bit twitchy, but nah. Um, as I say, the first time in a long time, I'm only consuming what Newcastle and Inter are doing and it's brilliant. Norman, get back on your meds. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, mate. And uh, it, it is interesting, isn't it, that, that kind of uh, trust that we all have in the team to do its own job and not have to rely on the failures of others is also refreshing. I also think that... Um, you know, we got we got a good look at Brentford yesterday. I've seen Brentford twice this season. I mean, Newcastle United hoy three goals in against them in our place and won comfortably yesterday. I mean, it hasn't really been said. I thought Brentford's keeper kept that, that game respectable yeah. as much as Newcastle United managed the game in the second half, which again we'll touch on later. Um, I just think when I look at Brentford yesterday, I think 
all right, yeah, they were down to 10 men. Um, but I look at Newcastle United with 10 men against Norwich and how difficult the crowd were for Norwich, how how difficult the team made it for Norwich. Newcastle, I think, which is, I thought Newcastle were better than Brentford, albeit there hadn't been much going on 11 v 11. But there was such a gulf in defensive ability, in um, how the team attacks, how the team plays midfield between Newcastle and Brentford. I'm going to say it right now. It, it looks to me, um, on the basis of what we've seen recently in Brentford's, what, nine defeats in 10 or something like that, it is simply impossible to me that Leeds United or Brentford will finish above Newcastle United this season. I agree with you, Norman, with your, your point at the start of the podcast. Newcastle could be looking at 14th place in the Premier League, which again would be a remarkable achievement considering what Eddie Howe inherited. We're going to leave it there for part one of the show. I'm going to leave you with some advertisements now. Remember, you get this podcast advertisement free on our Patreon platform, which is £6.60 a month. Uh, we'll be back straight after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Charlotte, the hero of the day, of the week, of the month, in fact. Of the season. Of the season, <laughs> of the century. It's Joe Linton, it Newcastle United's number seven. Huge goal for him yesterday. What would you like to say? Uh, I'd like to say, well done, Joe Linton. I'd like to say, thank you, Joe Linton. I'd like to say so many things. I'd like to like sing songs to him. Um, just a lush goal, really good, powerful header. He was like fairly unmarked, allowed to just like sort of dive into the box and head it straight in, straight into the goal. Lo- lovely to watch, but even lovelier still being able to see him then sprint the length of the pitch as you said at the top there taking a leaf out of John Joe Shelby's book going straight to the fans and the the sort of point I wanted to make was you know I was very much one of the people who didn't like Joe Linton didn't understand why he'd been bought didn't understand where he fit in he didn't seem to understand where he fit in and um and and he got fairly slated I slated him he was you know we we, we would not um generous to him on this podcast very often and for him to sort of get that goal and then sprint straight to the fans and celebrate with the fans I just felt like that meant 
it meant so much to him and it could have been like look I've done it like it could have been a more obnoxious celebration do you know what I mean but it was a I've done this for you here I am and then sort of after the after the match and the comments like his English his, his English is good he couldn't speak English when he came here could he we, we had to get well, him a long a, time after as yeah, well. yeah yeah we had to get him a translate a German translator <laughs> not, not, a, not a Portuguese one um and I just think I just think it's it's a it's a really nice snapshot of where we are with this sort of integration with this cohesion with this not just the squad in itself but the club and the fans and it was just lovely to watch him yesterday and, and see how happy he was quite an interesting thing I've just just thought about here now just to think about that reaction as well when you think um Iosi Perez uh kind of right. was very much derided at, at times as a Newcastle player and his kind of reaction was, was to stick his, fing- yeah, yeah. His, his fingers in his ear during these celebrations and not not that, to criticize him so much but like it's just interesting to see how Joe Linton's kind of responded to that criticism and yeah. hasn't kind of put up a buyer to kind of say oh I'm I, it doesn't matter what you say, his, yeah, 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 who cares, like, I'll He's score. actually, like, has, you can tell as well, like, he was desperate to be a success here. And yeah. Especially in that interview after the game yesterday as well, like, he's just absolutely buzzing that he's, he's, like, he's managed to nail it, basically, and, and now he's, he's a massive contributor. And um, I think, I mean, the big thing for yesterday, and, uh, my illustrious friends, colleagues on this uh, podcast <laughs> have, have been disparaging him for... <laughs> for absolute disgraceful reasons, but lovely for him as well. I think that one was for me uh, yesterday. Thank you, Big Joe. He was, he was, he was looking for you, wasn't he? The yeah, he was. You I, went I wasn't there. there. Yeah. Went there. Um, but uh, no, I think um, like the fact that if 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 he can, I got and I I completely understand the point he's made previously in terms of like he needs to mm. to kind of provide more game kind of change in moments, and and he does that I think in other areas, but. Um, if he can start adding goals to his game, like <laughs> there'll be nothing else to to do basically. And I think um, that that's the type of goal that he should be more capable of getting on that that late run in the box. I mean, what the Brentford defender Janssen, yeah, who's, who's their best, <laughs> probably one of their best players in the air, and Joe Linton just bullies him. And wow. I just, wouldn't, I wouldn't get in Joe Linton's way. Yeah, yeah. no, but but that's the Love point, that. isn't it? No. Is that he's he's got so many kind of qualities that that could provide that. So. It'll be really interesting to see if he if, if he can add that element of goals to his game from a midfield position. Um, that that's going to be huge. Yeah, regular listeners of the pod will know I've been demanding goals <laughs> from Joe Linton, and it's not it's not a case of it hasn't come from a, a place. And Norman's been the same. It hasn't come from a place of um, not rating. But it's quite the opposite. It's I know he's capable. I didn't used to think he was capable. Used yeah. to think he wasn't good enough playing the Premier League. Was wrong about that. Completely wrong about that. Emphatically wrong about that. Um, before I come back to you, Ben, um, it's just a case of like, now what we're seeing from Joe Linton, I still think that we don't know what the ceiling is. And that's tremendously both exciting for us and terrifying for opponents. Mm-hmm. If this kid, this 25-year-old lad, who seems to be more at home in the Premier League than any other league in the world at the minute, obviously the Premier League suits Joe Linton so well in the way he plays, if he can start contributing 5, 10 more goals a season, 5, 7 assists a season, then 40 million will start to look like, uh, you know, a, a fraction of the lad's actual value. Do you want to come back, with me, mate? Yeah, all I was going to say was as well. It, it's it's interesting, and you, it's kind of into that point as well. Is it's I think it's about him just understanding, and developing his game to, to realize where he, he can, where, where he's got the advantage. And I think that was probably the difficulty he had when he first came was he was being played out on the wing where it's kind of you've got to have a bit of pace about you or, or a bit of guy out to beat a man, and he he didn't quite have that. Whereas he's found this kind of industrious way of just 
bouncing people out of the way, basically. Um, and I think that's the point is, is I think you up to now he's, he's struggled because I mean he, he's he's finishing isn't as crisp as maybe you'd like it. He, he, he's kind of I think it's the hesitation when he gets into to goal scoring opportunities. It's not like he's not a natural goal scorer, but I think where he can dominate people is in the air and, and against Brentford. Yeah, <laughs> well there is that as well. <laughs> Um, Scourge of Brentford. Yeah, <laughs> can we play them every week, please? <laughs> but uh, no, I think that's going to be a big thing for him. Is, is how he, as as you say, what's the ceiling like? It's going to be dependent on how he kind of identifies is where can he get like advantages on the pitch. And I think that goal yesterday just showed like those late runs into the box and with decent balls, which we haven't seen too many of. But that was a great ball in from from Fraser. Um, like with that, that's going to potentially be a big big avenue for for more more goals. I um, tried to remain, to like look at him through a, a sort of more critical, objective lens during his resurgence in form because I thought, how can a player go from being so bad to being so good so quickly? And part of me thought, well, because he was so bad for so long, the performances that we're seeing are being looked at as better than what they are because they were so bad. And that, that was me trying to be objective. However, that guy's out of the window now. Like, I'm being completely subjective. He was out of this world yesterday. He gave like everything that you wanted to see from a midfielder in that position. His um, his movement, his ability, his tackling, his work off the ball, is making himself available, taking players on, scoring an outrageous header. He was he was totally phenomenal yesterday. And um, I'm 100% absolutely glad to be proven completely wrong about how he is. And if, if, this, if this form continues, if he continues to play like he did yesterday, he's not going to play that every game, no footballer does. But if we're getting performances like that with him like for the, for the rest of the season, then the, sky, the sky's the limit. Ultimately, it's, uh, it's brilliant, brilliant to see. And I'm absolutely delighted for him because he's clearly a lovely kid as well. So... He's also proven that I, I know absolutely nothing about football. So if you're listening to me right now, <laughs> don't take anything on board that I'm saying. It's all rubbish. Um, I'm just going to say he's, he'll be listening to this and he'll be writing this down for his Ballon d'Or speech in uh, 2025. <laughs> Jolinton, te amo muito, homem. Te amo muito. I love you. Um, the Brazilian, Jolinton, yesterday, do you know he attempted more dribbles than any other Newcastle player? So talking from an offensive, um, sort of offensive capacity, he... He, he attempted more dribbles. Um, he basically ran through Brentford's midfield because sort of unopposed because they're scared of him. Um, his work rate was ridiculous. He won more duels and he regained more possession in the final third of the pitch on more occasions than any of his teammates. So how was that for a start? Attacking-wise yesterday, he was bloody brilliant. He was. A long way to continue. Brighton beware. We'll talk about that in the week on the, the full match preview we'll have for patrons. Let's talk about the red card and the influence it had on the game, Charlotte. You wanted to talk about Newcastle's game management. Yeah, I just um, well, obviously we after the red card, which was not random. Um, it was it was very clear red card. Thomas Frank said it was a random situation, <laughs> which is very strange. Uh, we can talk about that. Um, yeah, dominated the first half really, really comfortably. Um, Brentford made some changes at half time and came out with a lot more. The attacking for they tried they really did try and, and I think Dubavka made one entire save in the second half yeah. uh, he wasn't a very busy man yesterday but um but I did think in the second half it was sort of this this feel of where where we've taken our foot off the gas in the past you're sort of like what you're doing yesterday it was sort of a, a very slight taking the foot off the gas but still completely controlling the game with a couple of breaks for for Brentford um and just this sort of like comfort that we've never 
or we haven't had in a really long time this sort of ability to think okay we're two ahead we could get more uh we're we're, we're running the game we like let's not let's not like sort of run ourselves into the ground um we did create some opportunities but generally i just thought it was just really really nice it was like <laughs> it was like watching a game and thinking we're not going to capitulate i know it was against 10 men and i know that that is that is an advantage but i just it was just a it was sort of pleasant way of of watching the football Totally agree, and I was really impressed by Newcastle's second half. Would I have liked to see more goals? Of course, again, I'll say it, I thought uh, the Brentford goalkeeper makes a series of yeah. close-range saves that he has no right to make. Um, you know, poor Matt Target deserves to be on the score sheet. Ryan Fraser too. And, you know, there was points in the second half, right in the second half, if people remember, it was a point when Ericsson tried to play 1-2 and then we got a, a free kick for handball. Newcastle had eight players in the penalty area. Eight outfield players in the penalty area defending that situation centrally. That's just that's a desire that you know people might well a couple of people I think even the commentators talked about Newcastle taking their foot off the gas in the second half. I don't think they did. I think they realised that Brentford, if Newcastle United were compact in that second half, Brentford weren't going to score. Yeah, didn't have to commit men forward. You know, into the box in huge numbers. We didn't have to uh, get caught in counter attacks. We didn't have to leave ourselves vulnerable to Brentford's many long balls that they played yesterday. Um, you know, it was a really, really well-managed, competent performance. There's that word competent again, which we talked about in, in recent weeks. It, it's an absolute pleasure to see the team come out and just completely kill the game like that. The confidence, just the, the like total self-belief, like we've got this and it's okay. Like we will, we're, we're fine. Norman, Norman. I'm glad we took our foot off the gas. We're 2-0 up and we're playing against 10 men and we've got a period of fixtures coming up where we're playing Thursday or Saturday or Thursday, I think. So... Would players running themselves in the ground unnecessarily? What's the point? Yesterday, there was one, there was one point yesterday. I mean, we had 63% possession. So we took our foot off the gas, but we still dominated the ball. And also, there was a situation yesterday where for about two minutes, there were early years. There must have been a string of like 50-odd passes put together. We were early in. So I we took our foot off the gas, but hey, nice one. We're 2-0 up, so who cares? Brilliant. More, In fact, more taking my foot off the gas, please, because it means we're 2-0 up. Happy days. <laughs> Yeah, as well, just quickly on that red card, um, Matt Hoggett's very, very lucky that he didn't break his leg or his ankle. His yeah. foot was was fully planted, his weight was on it. The force of the of the tackle from De Silva was was shocking. It was a really, really bad challenge. Someone has just tweeted conversation in, in Twitter saying um, Mike Dean's missed a red card that again had to be overturned by VAR for the same player uh, earlier this season or last season. So, you know, Dean has form. I find it incredible that Matt Target had a foul given against him for being stamped on. You know, yeah. me and Ben watched it live, and a lot of people on social media said, "Oh, I, I, you know, uh, Norman, I appreciate you from the away, and you've got a bad view of it there." Oh, I didn't realise it was a red card. I didn't know it was a red card, but it definitely wasn't a fucking foul against Matt Target, yeah. who, who who won the ball while being stamped on. Um, Mike Dean was incredibly close to it and had a, a clear view. And then we might talk about this more on, on TFTV, which is a show me and Charlotte do on YouTube on the True Faith YouTube channel, which you should check out if you haven't already. Um, you know, Dean, when the camera goes and then when he's, you know, listening to the mic, to the person um, telling him to go and check the screen, he, he, he gives it like, oh, really? Like, very, <laughs> Me? yeah, like, <laughs> are you sure? Like, will this not just waste crucial seconds while I confirm my correct decision? Fuck off, Mike Dean. <laughs> Absolutely hopeless. Honestly, the bloke is hopeless. Um, but we're one, so I don't have to get too angry about it. Let's get into the real nitty gritty of this podcast. Let's talk about 
sensational performances from lovely Newcastle United players. Norman, you want to wax lyrical about Ryan Fraser. Take it away, my friend. I will. Quickly, though, before, before I do that, I just need to remind people of Joe Willock's reverse pass for the Matt Target chance in the first half. Did you? Does anyone recall yeah, that? It was like it was out of this world. Um, I've, only, I've, only watched, the, I've only watched the highlights about nine times, pal. Oh, man, <laughs> it was so... It was so Perfect. Um, so that takes me on a target, doesn't it? And Ryan Fraser, right? First of all, Eddie Howe switching Murphy and Fraser, making them switch flanks from West Ham. Brilliant, brilliant decision. Um, Brentford played a big centre half at right wing back, right slash right back yesterday. Fraser and Target absolutely ripped them apart. The partnership, I think that's the first time the two of them have played on the same side of the pitch, right? They were, it was just, it was, it was superb. They complemented each other fantastically. In fact. It wouldn't be unreasonable to say that they both probably could have had two goals each. I think they could have, they both could have scored twice. That's a left back and were a left winger. The other beautiful thing about having those two players on the pitches, you've got in swinging corners, target in swinger from the right, Fraser in swinger from the left. It's really refreshing to have players who can every time they go up to take a corner, you're thinking, get in, he's going to in swing this in the six yard box. Something could happen. Yeah. Um, I think Sean Oric, who was at the match yesterday, said it best about Fraser. He said, I think he had 20% of the possession on his own. He was absolutely brilliant. But like everywhere as well, not just from an attacking sense. There's a moment in the first half where the corner that Brentford gets, that we break from to score, I don't know if you if you recall this, but they were attacking on the right-hand side. They're just about to have a shot or whip a crossing and he just throws his body in the way of it. They get the corner, we break. Um, and also it was Fraser's knock-on to Shea. Fraser, so he, not only does he stop the shot coming in, they get that corner, we then clear the corner. It's his, it's his ball to share that Shea does brilliantly with and, and obviously we get that second goal. Um, he's a man reborn and we've mentioned this in the last few podcasts now, but the post-match comments of Fraser on match of the day about Eddie Howe were just so revealing. They were, they were spectacular. He's obviously, this is someone who probably saw his career going down the, like, down down the drain, right, under Steve Bruce. A player who, if Steve Bruce had stayed, probably would have been shifted on this pre-season and he, and he would have gone to a club maybe, you know, worse than what Newcastle were. All of a sudden, he's back in a side as one of the, the better performers in the Premier League, and he's got a, he's got a future at a club that's that's only going in one direction. And I'm delighted for him. And as I say, mate, um, target Fraser on the left hand side. I mean, I love Maxine. There's obviously always going to be a role for him in the team. But put it this way: if I see those two announcing a lineup between now and the end of the season, and even at the start of next season, I don't think I'll be disappointed. Wonderful, wonderful to see. Long live Ryan Fraser. That's all I'm saying. Ryan Fraser I just can't get over how much fit like everybody on this on the team but like Ryan Fraser's fitness like he was running the entire length of the pitch attacking and defending the entire and realize that's his job but like the fitness level and and it is it's week on week you're seeing improvement 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 it's not just like they're all really fit now and they're remaining really fit they're all getting better and better and better and it's such a pleasant thing to see um Kept getting called the diminutive Scotsman on the, <laughs> on, the <laughs> on the commentary yesterday, which made me laugh. But yeah, just this, just this incredible athleticism from not just him, but it it stuck out to me yesterday. Absolutely nothing dim, diminutive about him. No, he's, he's, a unit. He's, he's the tallest five foot six player I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I really enjoyed. Uh, I've said this before. I really enjoy his early ball. Like he doesn't piss about. He shifts it and gets a ball in. You know, he, he obviously has to try and create space, and not every ball. It's perfect, but Chris Wood all of a sudden probably should walk away yesterday with at least two goals. So far, Chris Wood, normally I'll probably bring you in because I know you want to talk about Wood. So far, Chris Wood, I mean, Chris Wood's um, 
league record at Newcastle United is insane. That bloke doesn't hasn't tasted defeat. Um, but but so far, although some people have been critical of them, it's been very hard to criticize criticize them for missing chances because he hadn't had any. He should have scored yesterday, and that's all down to Ryan Fraser. That partnership, I think, between the two of them will only get better. And I'm really keen to say, you know, what what an option for how to have ASM who doesn't particularly cross well. But if it's not going well in the game, how him on the right, move Fraser to the left if, if, if ASM is to come back in on the left. Mm. They're just options and, and, and also the, the team, the opposition that you're playing, know that that switch can come any time. So if they're doing potentially well, closing down one side of the pitch, well, not to worry, lads. We'll, we'll see you on the other side, Norman. I'm still confident that I've would players in every game between now and the end of the season, which it's looking likely because obviously Wilson Fitness is, is up in the air. We don't know where that's at. I'm still confident he'll get four, he'll get four goals. But even then... As you've said, we haven't lost a game since he's played and he's making a difference. He causes panic among defenders. He's hard. He's a big lad who gets stuck into, into the, the big centre-halves that other teams have. I mean, you know, sometimes he sits a little bit deeper, but then that doesn't matter because he, he drags defenders out with him. Um, yesterday, you could argue he could have had a couple of goals. One of those, if, the, if those chances keep coming in, one of them's going to get in. When one of them gets in, that's when his confidence gets up. But I think his contribution at the minute is, it's, it's necessary. But put it this way, as much as I like Dwight Gale, if Dwight Gale had been up top instead of Chris Wood in those games, do I think we would have picked up as many points as we have? Probably not, because what Wood's doing at the moment is a lot of the sort of dirty, nasty work that you need a big centre for what to do. And it's, and it's then allowing players like Ryan Fraser, like Matt Target coming up from fullback, to have the space to do that magic with the ball. It's also allowing people like Joe Willick to make late runs in the box. Joe Linton, he's creating that space for those players to dart into. So... I've, I can't criticise Chris Wood at all because I think he's doing a job. And look, if he was tuned so poorly, how wouldn't have him in the team, right? Fabian Shaw is a player who simply must be given a new contract at Newcastle United. Fuck everyone else. Just give <laughs> Shaw a new contract. Like We talk a lot about, and people listening to this will, I'm sure, think about a lot about the improvements Eddie Howe has, has made in players who were underperforming before. Shaw couldn't get in the team under Bruce. For, for for large parts of Bruce's tenure, that Wolves game, he didn't make the team. He was he was behind Clark. He was behind Fernandez, Lascelles. Uh, his career at Newcastle United was almost certainly over. And he probably, if, if for some miracle Bruce had stayed in the job, he probably would have left in the January transfer window. As much as Dan Byrne, who we're not going to give a big errand to this week, because he gets talked about in glowing terms every week. More of that next week, hopefully after Brighton. Um, he just, he just looks like one of the best centre-backs in the Premier League. If you think about how coveted ball-playing centre-backs are in the Premier League who offer something of a goal threat, I, mean, there is, I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, you have the players who play for, for Manchester City, you have Virgil van Dijk and one or two others, but Fabian Shaw, Norman, you've said this before, I think you said it on our True Faith Any Questions podcast on Friday Night for Patrons, three million quid from Deportivo La Coruña has got to represent one of the best ever transfers for this club in the Premier League in terms of value for money. That, Norman, you, you, you wanted to talk about him in the goal yesterday. The, the, first of all, what's he doing there? But that, we'll, we'll ignore that now. I don't know why Fabian Shaw is the furthest player forward as we're, as we're clear a corner. Um, it's because Chris Wood's back there doing yeah. his graft so he can get forward and chip in with goals. But, but Norman, you know, you, Norman did the, the, the match day podcast for Peyton yesterday where you, you get to hear his reaction to the goals live. Um, you know, talk through your opinion of, of what happened there, mate. 
<laughs> it, it was one of those like moments that will live with me forever. Um, as I see, you know, you get those moments and you're thinking, there are quite a few now, but like literally deathbed moment where I'm like, oh, yes, yeah, Fabian Cheer. I remember that day. That was good. And then uh, I'm dead now. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, and, I, and I won't be disappointed. I mean, I won't know because I'll be dead, but you know, you know what I mean. Um, the uh, so the corner, as soon as it's cleared, he just he just steams, he steams out of nowhere, right? Fraser clears the ball, and you're thinking, hold on, that's Fabian Shea. And the control, the way he takes that ball down, he's got like a defender coming up against him or, you know, someone covering when Brentford had got the corner, and he just flicks it around. And you're thinking, and from where we were, because it's obviously the other side of the pitch, right? And the way that you kind of depth, your depth is out of us, it's like your depth perception. You're thinking, he's gone all the way. He's going to go all the way. It's going to be Messi-esque. And then not only does he... Not, not, not only is he not greedy, he has the kind of the calmness, the purpose and the control to put like the perfect pass onto the, by the way, brilliant, brilliant Joe Willock. That run that Willock made to get from Warbox to theirs that quickly. No one keeping up with him, flying in perfectly timed and wonderful finish. But Shea, I mean, like, tell me another centre-half. Tell me, name your centre-half playing in English football right now who could, who could do that. And I, I'm not saying that this isn't me saying... He's the best centre-half in the Premier League. But I'm talking about the control of a ball on the halfway line at that height to make that run and to play such a precise pass for an assist. Like, I genuinely can't recall it, a centre-half being able to do that. Didn't give me a £85 million Harry Maguire. Give me a £3 million Fabian Cheer. Any day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. spot on. I mean, that, that's the big thing with Shaw, isn't it? We've, we've always kind of said, like, that's that's has been a wasted like talent of his is how good he is like bringing the ball out and and contributing to the attacks and I think that's that's the biggest travesty well one of the biggest travesties of, of, as Alex alludes to there that about Bruce just did not have a clue how to use the bloke and Ben just or any just just yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna cry here because imagine how good Florian Lejeune would be and I know, you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that and that's the thing isn't it is like just, just knowing how to how, how to utilize these players and put them in positions of strength, and you spot on. Is it? I mean, Shaw, Shaw has, has, and we've all said it in in the past, has mistakes in his locker, but like the way he's playing at the minute, like is so full of confidence. Like even when he does make a mistake, like he's getting away with it because, like, I mean, there was a couple of times where he had some kind of shaky moments where. He was getting closed down in dangerous positions, or or sometimes his, his clearances don't always kind of come off. But like he, he just he brings something to the team that no other player within within the defence anyway can do. And you spot a Norman uh, kind of the, the, just that goal epitomises like why he needs to be in the team because there's absolutely no chance <laughs> Jamal Lascelles or Kieran Clark, and it's not to disparage those or lads. Fernandez, yeah. yeah, it's it's not to say those guys aren't great or anything, but. Like he just gives you something so much more different, and yeah, just the other point I want to make was, as you said, the biggest thing for me three million quid for him, um, what was it twelve twelve million for for Trippier or whatever thirteen for for Burn, target on a loan, we have completely sorted our defense. Hopefully, I mean, if if target, obviously we don't know what's going to happen with target long term, but like this this defense, and we talked about it before, like this looks so good on like literally pennies like 30 30 million doesn't even get you half of harry Maguire, and yet we've got like a <laughs> like all encompassing like back forward attack contribute goals like set up goals keep clean sheets 
it's just like an unbelievable transformation from um from from kind of everyone involved in those transfer dealings like they've absolutely hit the ball out the park in every like way they could and it's it's like you just can't be kind of more appreciative and, and supportive of everything that's going on special mention for Joe Willock as well we don't have time to get into him but mm-hmm. I just I just think he's he's some footballer he he, ha- he has talent that others don't his ability to to read the situation before the ball comes to him and go past players it's uh magical to watch and I'm so pleased that he kept faith in himself how kept faith in Ben you want to make a quick point just want to say as well like just a massive shout out to Eddie Howe who like just with a bit of confidence has turned like yeah. so many of these players around when you look at what Bruce was doing them supposedly the man manager the play, <laughs> the players guy um, had literally like basically got us all writing the majority of these blokes off yeah I'm Brilliant uh, little segue for me because I want to finish off this podcast by talking about Eddie High, Eddie Howe, fourteen. Eddie, Hearn. <laughs> Eddie Hearn. Uh, That's a, that's never a heard joke. of him. Yeah, not even going to what that joke is. If you heard it, you heard it a couple of months back. Um, fourteen points from eighteen available in twenty twenty two. When Newcastle um, drew with Watford on January the fifteenth, when you and I, Charlotte, mm-hmm. left St James's Park with you consoling me that it would all be okay, and I wasn't sure it would. Um, Newcastle were 13 points behind Brentford at the end of that game and there were seven points behind Leeds and Everton and had played a game more than both of those teams like that that situation seemed desperate I didn't th- I didn't think we were down but it seemed like it was going to be an extraordinary thing to happen to to just get in front of those teams by the end of the season never mind find us in the position that we are now Charlie want to make a point yeah, it, it is extraordinary. You like It seemed like it would be, have to be an extraordinary thing. It is. It is extraordinary. Not many managers, not many teams could do what we've done. Totally agree. And it's just, you know, I, I have to stop doing this. I have to embrace this new version of Casting United. But, <laughs> but I think about the games last season against Palace and Leeds at home. And like, we were told that was the good stuff. Yes, we lost both games. But we were, we were really good for 20 minutes. Really, oh, what, what a good 30 there. You know, first 30 against Palace, poor. Like, that club is just dead. Like, mm. that version of that club that we were told to respect and to, like, embrace is having a good 20 or 30 minutes against really bad teams in the Premier League. Like you said, Norman, I think we'll finish above Leeds this season if we can beat Palace at home whenever we play them because uh, the fixture might get moved. I think we'll finish above them and we're better than them and I think we're better than all of the teams. Uh, in the bottom half at the minute. Leicester have got games in hand. We're two points behind Leicester. Think back to that Leicester fixture, that 4-0 fixture. We're two points behind them. Now, we need them to beat Burnley in midweek so they can be five points ahead of me, and I'll be absolutely fine with that. Um, But but what what an unbelievable turnaround from Eddie Howe. Some huge quotes from Amanda Staveley and uh, her husband, Murdoch Lucy, this week in The Athletic with our great friend, friend of all Newcastle fans, George Culkin, um, saying they want... Eddie Howe to be the next Alex Ferguson. It's a big thing. It's a big thing to say. Okay. But you know what? Fuck it. Like, he's he's doing an unbelievable job. Um, he's he's the leader that we needed. And I thought um Stavely made a great point in that piece that um if we hadn't got Howe, would be worse. I don't think there's anyone that could have come in and, and, and done a better job. And it's you know, what I love about him is he doesn't have a like um a, a secret formula or a plan or a revolutionary tactic. He's just competent, professional, and diligent, and a leader. 
Uh, he's ambitious and he's committed, and he's all of the things that I want Newcastle United to be. So he couldn't be doing a better job, and I'm so proud that he's here. Norman, your thoughts on how, mate? Spot on those, mate. But what you've just said there, I think the Stavely and Gerusi comments are fantastic because it's ambition right now. Them saying we want to be the next Alex Ferguson, brilliant. It's better than them saying we just want him to keep a ticking along for now. Want him to keep a ticking along for now, right? It's the complete antithesis of what we had prior, and I, I welcome it with open arms. I also, in terms of how I feel like, um, you know, when Boromir is like lying, dying, and Aragorn stands next to him, he's like, my brother, my captain, my king. That's basically how I feel about Eddie Aaron now. My brother, my captain, my king. I will follow you to the end. I'm incredibly confident that he is, a, and now I am, I'm incredibly confident he's a person who can fit, who can get us finishing in the top five. And in a couple of seasons, I mean that, What reading, reading that article that George Colton wrote, which is an absolutely superb piece of journalism, um, the fact that he's as dedicated as he is, the fact that Stavely and Gudusi said they're a little bit sort of fascinated with him, um, I, I just think it's it's wonderful. Yeah, and we've said this from day one, right? He's a manager who wants to constantly learn and we've seen the improvement he's made to those players. And one player I'm going to bring into this, very much derided, well, our third choice right back who cost four and a half million from like Rennes reserves or whatever it was. Emil Kraft was really good yesterday. Like, not, not brilliant, but just solid, right? He was solid. And there's a player there already who, you know, he plays for the Swedish national team, right? So he cannot be terrible as what we've seen, right? As terrible as what we've seen. And yesterday we saw a player who did a really good job. And that, again, is testament to how, um, my God, I can't see anything more, mate. My brother, my captain, my king. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I wish you could see Dodsy's, Dodsy's face right now. You bringing up Lord of the Rings quotes. He's on cloud nine. <laughs> I am. And, and, and to finish the pod, this is this is what it's like. You know, football is a genuine distraction at the minute from, from problematic world events, to say the least. It's like the thing that it's supposed to be. Walking home from yours, Ben, after watching the match yesterday with Sai, and it's, I'm just thinking about Brighton. I'm thinking about the day. I'm thinking about the atmosphere. I'm thinking about the flags. I'm thinking about, can we beat them? Where will we be in the league? If we beat them, it's just, it's an absolute pleasure to support the football club at the minute. And it's a pleasure to do these podcasts as well. We appreciate you listening very much. If you like the shows, please leave us a five-star rating on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a comment if you can. It helps us tremendously and we need your help to further these messages. We're also on Patreon, £6.60, but you've listened to the podcast at the end, so you know that already and you listen every week. Um, thank you to you, Norman, Charlotte and Ben. We'll be back with a, a free podcast midweek, uh, looking in detail at that, uh, those Amanda Stabley quotes and also the future of the football club. And then we'll be back next Sunday with the Brighton Free Podcast. Speak to you all then. Bye-bye.